If they're gonna cancel me, they're gonna cancel me. I don't care. Go ahead, do it. Why are we gonna talk about it? You know why. This is the Randy Savagery Show. It's about the love. It's about the passion. And welcome to the Randy Savagery Show. <clears throat> come one, come all. You are here. So I was going to do an audio only because I want to be able to do podcasts while I am mobile. But after listening to the, the last... Next stop sign, oh, turn left. Oh, dang, y'all. See? Dang. That's the one thing I got to get on top of. But... I think that the quality when I take a full video is actually a lot better than when I just try to do audio recording through Anchor. It just seems to pick up on like every single, every single thing you could imagine, every bump, every lump. So, you know, right now, we're going we're gonna to test it out through the full video. So, you know, you're going to have both. I can put it on the YouTube and the Spotify. <clears throat> so... Uh, yesterday though, if you did listen to it, my apologies for the bumpy sounds and whatnot, but if you listen to what I talked about, it was mostly about, uh, one of the heavyweight, uh, heavyweight champion of, of the world in UFC, mixed martial arts. He won against Cyril Gain. His name is, uh, Francis Nuganu. Francis, actually, there's been new developments in the whole situation with him and Dana Huat. Uh, Dana <clears throat> slapped him with a lawsuit for discussing fight matters with Jake Paul. And I also talked about him yesterday as well. If you guys remember Jake Paul, I'm a big fan of what he's trying to do. He's trying to tear down, you know, the the monopoly on the fight world and to get better fighter pay for the fighters. So because of this, $7 million Boop. Lawsuit slapped onto him. Um, <clears throat> at least that's what I hear. Um, that's insane, though, you know, because this really shows the, the tactics that Dana White and the UFC um, conglomerate enacts onto their fighters. This is the kind of things that you'll see because this man... First off, for the fight that he just won, he only got $500,000, ladies and gentlemen. These UFC fighters, they make fractional margins in compared to what actual boxers are making. Boxers make $40 million, $100 million, $500 million off of one fight. And uh, these guys are getting 500000 20000 80000 you know. He's racking in the cash, you know. Um, he slaps him with a $7 million lawsuit. Like I said, this phenomenal guy. I really hope that someone is going to step up to be like, I'll take on the lawsuit, get the lawyers, and get him out of there. Because this really shows you how devious and how, um, you know, commodity capture 
the UFC and Dana White is. That they literally will impose $7 million of debt onto, you know, this this African-born super sportsman in order to keep him under the thumb and nail instead of allowing him to be in the position to make millions and millions of dollars like many boxers like, uh, you know, Canelo Alvarez um, and, you know, Floyd Money Mayweather, obviously. So, I just wanted to start off with that type of development. I thought that it was, uh, I thought it was pretty, pretty interesting. And I think that the world needs to know the type of individual that Dana White is, you know, because, um, here's my question. Do you guys think that Dana White would have slapped him with this $7 million lawsuit if he would have lost that fight and been on the under position of their, uh, negotiations with contracts? And if you, and, and for real, I really want to know, go ahead. Actually, I want to know so bad. Why don't you go ahead and leave it in the comments, right? Go ahead and leave it in the comments section. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if any of you have something that really sticks out to me, maybe I'll shout you out in the next video, you know, come up with something profound. Um, yeah, you know, I just thought that that was, that was, uh, quite interesting. I wanted to go over it. Another thing I wanted to get back into is the, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell trial, um, there has been a minimal amount of coverage over it. Uh, not a lot has been said, but uh, I know that maybe a few days ago, I looked at the testimony that was given by the the pilot, actually, of the plane that took all the, you know, allegedly took all the girls and all the all the rich people, Prince Andrew. I mean, anyone from Prince Andrew to Chris Rock, baby. You know what I'm saying? It seems like everybody went to that island, that 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 underage girl loving island. It looks like, you know, you could basically you could see a you could capture a lot of names on those lists. But so far, I saw the testimony of him, and he seemed to. Um, he seemed to stick to the conclusions. Like, I know that they asked him about, did you ever see any sex on the plane? He said, no, I never saw any sex. He never saw any sex toys or any condoms. Um, he also made the statement that the, the the young woman that he saw on the plane, they looked not like little girls to him, is basically the statement he said. I mean, I don't, I don't know how nitty and gritty he got. But in my head, it's like uh, it's like they had some old Louisiana black dude, like some type of slave kind of guy who was like, I don't know. But from what I saw, they had titties to me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> for the girls I saw, the girls I saw had titties on them to me. They looked like full-grown women's. <laughs> but um, so he maintains that he never saw any illegal activity. And the women or the young girls that he saw, you know, obviously, I guess they must have precluded children that were highly developed in the sexual organ area. So then maybe, you know, he's not checking IDs. He ain't really thinking about it. These people got millions and millions of dollars, you know, all he sees is big money. 
big titties, he's just probably thinking it's normal, right? Even though these girls are 14, 15, allegedly. Um, oh, yeah. So this one girl, I saw her testimony. She was one of the victims. Now 42 years old, uh, stated that she was procured, I think that's the word, procured, I don't know, uh, gripped up by Giz Lane, said, hey, little bitch, you know what I'm saying? How old are you? 14? All right. How much money do you make as a 14-year-old? She probably makes, who knows, 15 bucks a week doing chores around the house back in the 80s or early 90s, whenever this was. She goes, all right, well, I'm going to give you $300, little guy. You're going to get $300. All you got to do is go and massage my friend, right? Give him a good deep massage. They go into the rich layered dungeon area. Jeffrey Epstein with his our oddly shaped cock is there. He gets the massage. And uh, what she said was, you know, she, she gave him the massage, blah, blah, blah. And then was told to go sit on the couch while he, while Jeffrey Epstein uh, had sexual intercourse with Giz Lane in front of her. And then they paid her $300. She was out the door. When they asked her, well, why'd you keep going back? You know what I'm saying? If this was such a horrible scenario and you were so scared of this, blah, 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 why'd you keep going back? She said, I think one of the most honest things that uh, that could have been said, she said, well, I was 14 and $300 was a lot of money. And that's the biggest thing, ladies and gentlemen. That's really the biggest thing to me. That is a lot of money at 14 years old. I remember when I was 13, the summer of when I was 13, I spent my whole summer just picking up beer cans because I was up north and I was near like um, one of those campgrounds picking up beer cans so I could save money, dude. So the whole three month time, I saved up $103 to get two video games. Dude, if I'm just saying at 14, right? 14, dude. If somebody walked up to me, some hot, big tittied older lady said, hello, boy. Would you like to make $300 to give this old man a massage? Shit. Partner? You know, I did watch a lot of that, like, kids getting snatched up stuff, so I was, I'd be a little apprehensive, but I'd be like, show me the money. Let me see the cash. Let me hold it. Hold the money, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, all right. Is there a location? Can I bike there? I ain't trying to ride with you. You know, I'd be smart about it, but I'd probably be massaging Jeffrey Epstein's fucking old white ass up. For $300 at 14 years old, dude, if I could have got $300, if I could have done that twice a week, I think that's what they were doing. Like almost some girls were going twice a week, you know, wow, 600 a week at 14. God damn, dude. I, I wouldn't have even been stressing about the fucking weirdo dicks. I'd be jerking off, man. Ain't nobody knows. Anyways, I'd be going to school, being the biggest baller there. Fresh Nikes, fresh Jays, fresh everything. Taking girls on dates, man. Ooh, I would have been hitting the roller ramo hard, boy. But, you know, I digress. Uh, regardless, though, right? Because that's just the picture that I, I'm getting. I don't give a fuck. Jeffrey Epstein... And Ghislaine Maxwell, even though they were probably the most powerful uh, people 
slash couple, an example of love and power in America. You know what I'm saying? The real true presidents of this country, probably for like, who knows, dude, 10, 20 years. And Maxwell, she comes from this. That's another thing. People get it wrong that way. But um, they are horrible pedophiles. They are despicable, disgusting individuals. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, but he did deserve to die. <laughs> uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, I guess, uh, you know, whatever. I don't know. I, I say give her 150 years. Give her 200 years. She'll probably do two to five. You know, her charges aren't that large, dude. She's got an 80-year tail. You guys got to realize she's got an 80-year end, right? What's her minimum guidelines? That's what I want to know, papi. And she's only getting busted for three fucking girls. So that means if they knock two of them off, less time, less time. They're making deals in there. That's how this whole game works. That's how the game works if you're... uh. If you're a fucking peon drug addict, you know, and you get caught with uh, three grams of heroin, you know, it's going to say distribution and, and, and you're just an addict. You're going to high and they'll knock it down. It's going to say possession. It's going to get less. So what do you think they're going to do with her? How do you think they're going to treat, you know, big money Ghislaine Maxwell from the Maxwell Empire both her sisters are involved in big tech right now. What kind of deals do you think that the federal government are going to throw at her? Right? And that's the whole thing, guys. Like, people say stuff like, um, you know, she's going to die. She's going to this. She's going to that. The whole thing is, is that what Jeffrey Epstein was looking at time-wise was the rest of his life in prison. He would have never saw the light of day again. It's just like, um, damn, Breaking Bad. Anyone, I hope any, any, of, my, any of my people out there, probably, shout out to Breaking Bad. Anybody knows Brian Cranston? Genius, whole series. Anyways, um, if you guys have followed Breaking Bad in season three, I think, maybe season two, maybe season two or the beginning of season three, um, there is a... Uh, there is a collapse of an empire. Um, Gustavo, 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 I know that's his name, but I can't, I can't remember the last name. Gus, Gustavo, he is the like kingpin of the meth trade, right? And he is distributing hundreds of thousands of pounds of methamphetamine all across the world. Gustavo Fring, that's his name. And the reason he can pull this off is because he owns a network of fast food restaurants across the world. You know what I mean? So it'd kind of be like Jeffrey Epstein. Because what he had was um, trade accounts all across the world. So he was plugged in. There would be a reason for him to be in countries all over the place. Uh, uh, picking up, shipping, and, and handling finances, you know? So back to Gustavo Fring. Um, there is a point in that season where the cook, right, Walter White, he wanted to be the kingpin as of just like Gustavo Fring. And in order to do so, he came to the conclusion that he had to end the life and end the empire of Gustavo Fring. Now, 
he does pull that off. Spoiler alert. But after he pulls that off is when the domino effect really occurs, right? So um, Gustavo is gone, but all of the people that are involved in this network are still uh, applicable under the RICO Act, which means from top to bottom, everybody gets the same thing. So so everyone's looking at a hundred years, hundreds of years, you know, from the lawyer, right, to the to the dude in the in the street, the lowest lowest dude. And um, when you're in that type of situation, now comes the conclusion that you can't pay these people enough money to be silent the rest of their life. And some of these people even if you did, don't want to be locked up the rest of their lives. That being said, in Breaking Bad, those individuals that were implemented in the RICO Act all had to be murdered. Every single one of those people awaiting trial had to be murdered. And that's what happened to Jeffrey Epstein because he had a lifetime prison charge. He was never going to see the light of day again. Uh, and I'm sure it was some type of setup like that. They're like, all right, Jeff, how much money are we going to have to pay you to keep your mouth shut? And it was something probably crazy. He's like $500 million a week. I don't know. Who knows? And they said, okay, we can do that. And then they offed him. You know, they ended his life because it wasn't worth it. Now, Ghislaine Maxwell, way more seasoned in the game. Uh, she's a generational uh, child trafficker, you know, a generational child trafficker. And um, that, that being the way it goes, I personally believe that she can do her time. And her time, like I said, could be, could be seven years, man. It could be 10 years. It could be something like that. Uh, I think she's 60 years old now. But as we all can see, she's very, very fit. She's very together. She, probably gonna, she could probably live to 90. Fat tits hanging on that fucking old evil witch body. Mm. Anyways, all I'm saying is that's the, uh, you know, the new updates when it comes to the Ghislaine Maxwell trial that I personally have saw myself. Um, all right. So going into the new year, jigga, 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 how many people have been on their resolutions? You feel me? We're coming up to the end of this month of January and basically everybody... Always, you know, um, everybody always at some point, you know, usually makes some type of New Year's resolution, at least if you're in America, you know, that's what we do around here. And if you're not in America, keep listening to me. <laughs> but um, around here, everybody from the fattest, most unhealthiest to the all the way together, most fit usually make some type of new year resolution. You write down or you just make it up in your head loosely or very, very structuredly, you want to make new goals for the year. So a lot of times, a lot of people just do, you know, I want to lose weight. Um, that was definitely one of mine because I'm a fat motherfucker and I've been a very, very, you know, slender, fit, muscular uh, motherfucker. And I'm trying to get a little bit more of that and a little bit less of fat. And um, for me, I didn't stick to it in the beginning, but uh, I so I started 
at 260 pounds and I am now at uh, 257 pounds. But to be honest, that is only from one week of work. That's one week's of work because I wasn't doing any of my uh, macro counting or staying to the gym. I probably in the first three weeks went to the gym maybe like maybe five times, right? Just enough to really keep myself feeling it. But then I had uh, like a shocking, like kind of like a, cl- a clarative eye-opening moment through January. And it made me like get way more connected with my goals again, way more cemented into what it is that, you know, I wrote down in the beginning of the year, made a video about in the beginning of the year. Um, so I can go watch it hold myself accountable. Um, yeah, so I've been counting my macros every day. And if you guys don't know what a macro is, your macro, you have macro and micronutrition. When you're eating calories every day, everything you eat has a breakdown of fats, carbs, and proteins. Obviously, there's trans fats, saturated fats, and I think polysaturated fats. Um, your micronutrition is a bit more delicate because it's a more nuance on what you need. And it could also be obtained with no calories through supplementation. Now, calories in, calories out is the bottom line of how you're going to uh, lose weight, gain weight, or maintain weight. So all of the like things that you've heard about, you know, intermittent fasting and this and that, I think all of those things, as long as they're not like um, negatively affecting your mental state, those are all nice little tools in the shed, right? But I think that people must remember that really uh, the quantitative science always has points pointed towards calories in, calories out, protein maintenance for protein synthesis, right? So, I mean, honestly, if you guys like to have a lot of carbs in your diet, you like to carb out, but you stay in a caloric deficit and you're hitting your required protein amounts, you can. I don't know how satiated you will be because a lot of those sugary, delicious sweets, they don't have a lot of fiber and that might lead you into a negative negative part there, but... On the other aspect, you know, um, having high, high fats, if that's what you like, if you like to have a lot of cheese, if you like to have a lot of butter, if you like to have a lot of stuff like that, you know what I mean? And then just have an extremely minimal amount of uh, carbohydrates, that's good too. There's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, you just depending on how minimal you go, you might run yourself into a problem of feeling a lot of brain uh, lethargic, lethargicness because your brain wants to naturally run off of carbohydrates. It doesn't want to run off of ketones and it definitely doesn't want to run off of fat, but it can. That's a stored backup source. It's the way we're built. We're beautiful, you know? But that's why I personally just count my macros, and I just use the concept of if it fits your macros, my macros. So right now, my calories are at 2,000, 
2,410, um, which puts me at a deficit with exercise of about uh, 300 to 500 a day. It's 3,500 calories and one pound of fat. So, you know, you can break down your math and, and, and then playing with those figures, those numbers, you can roughly calculate what you'll lose at the end of seven days, uh, 17 days, 30 days. And, um, you know, you can also eat a brownie if it fits your macros. You can eat a Pop-Tart if it fits your macros. You can, uh, you know, you might want to not get the cheesecake because it's super hyper palatable and that's hard to fit your macros. Now you're looking at a high amount of fat and sugar. <laughs> fat and sugar. Um, yeah, but so to me, I just feel like I've gained a nice sense of clarity and, um, with that, I've been able to refocus on my macros and going to the gym and to enjoy the math again, I guess. You know, I used to enjoy the math of bodybuilding so much because when I started, I, when I, my, when I grew up, I didn't know anything about food at all. I didn't know any of that, the macro, the none of that. And, um, you know, when I started, I still didn't. I just thought chicken broccoli, um, you know, and then feel hungry, check the scale, feel hungry, check the scale. That was like my balancing act before I learned about a macro, before I learned about protein and protein synthesis and, you know, how much protein you take, uh, as long as you are of an anabolic state will almost directly dictate how much you will weigh at how much body fat in comparison to the carbs and fat you take in. Like, it's like you're building your own body off of the math. And it's a very powerful experience, I guess, to do so, to know that it's a math problem. And like your brain is now calculation. Calculation in action to caloric intake. And then patience, 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 check. And you'll see you know, less body fat, more muscle. It's addicting in a way. It takes a lot of time and it's definitely like a lifestyle. And it's more like a math game you play every day, but I'm just glad that I, I, I swooped back into it pretty nicely um, near the end of January, you know? Cause this, cause we're in 2022, dude. You know, Cyberpunk City, brand new. Brand spanking new. Technology is at a point where we can do wild and crazy things. You know? Uh, we could be on the move. And we could uh, still produce content. <laughs> and um, communicate with our community. You know, I used to really hate the internet as a young, like as a young cat. I really did. I wasn't a fan because... Um, it was hard to learn at first because I grew up like maybe I, they didn't put it on us until maybe I was like 11. But I did play on our home computer probably when I was eight and was exposed to video games even younger. So like the I liked the concept of video games actually way more than playing video games. <laughs> Just uh, the concept was better than it really was. So... As I got older, though, I realized, and as technology progressed, the internet 
and your fluidity in your uh, presence there is like almost as important as it is out here. And um, well, obviously for many people, their out here has been drastically improved by their in there. And this is the dynamical change of our society that I think that we are all kind of struggling with, dealing with, and um, it almost makes me want to create some type of artistic expression of where it could be maybe even years from now or months from now. Like, I feel like you're going to see people on the side of the road with their VRs, you know, and they're going to be starving like a drug addict, but they're a VR addict. And it's quite, it's quite interesting to just see how that's, how it's probably going to go down, you know? I hope. There's an artist. I want to take like a photo of that, kind of making fun of it, but it really is the way that we're going. Like people are becoming so enthralled with the metaverse, the internet, and what they can do on the internet that they're ignoring their outside world. And, um, you know, the balancing act has now ensued. But that's going to wrap it up for the Randy Savage Show. Thank you guys for tuning in. I want you to remember to like. I want you to remember to share. And if you can, please subscribe, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. And if I don't see you, remember, good evening, good afternoon, and good night.